on all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Verse 9, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained, or I am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning that we can gather together in your name to worship you. And we pray, Father, that you would bring us under your word. Help us, Lord, to acknowledge you and to know that you are our Father, that you care for us as we heard this morning, more than one way or the other, that you love us and you care for us. We pray, God, that you'd be with us this morning in our difficulties, in our shortcomings, in our failures, times when we are mucked up, we thank you that you still love us. Thank you that you still call us your sons and daughters. And thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege to call you Abba, Father. We come in this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. How are you all doing? Doing good? Fathers, how did your day start off? Good? Well, I had a great start this morning. My daughter chauffeured me here to church. What a privilege. My daughter Sharon is here with us, and it was wonderful that she could do for us. This morning, I titled the sermon, Run, Dad, Run. But I thought I would make it uh, for everyone. So I said, run the race. Let's run the race. How many of you are into running? as a sport, or once where. <laughs> Our life is compared to running a long race. In this chapter, Apostle Paul moves from biography of himself to accounting and to sports mode. So in this chapter, chapter 3, there's three kinds of things that Paul is talking about. Biography of himself, accounting, and sports. Uh, it's, it's difficult to comprehend how this man knew something about accounting and sports, but we'll look at it. <laughs> These are two books in, in the New Testament 
Philippians and Galatians, they share a life story of Paul. Maybe someday in our church we can do a seminar or, or, a, or a study pulling all the scripture passages from the Bible and doing a life story of Paul. Looking at Paul from a human perspective. Now that's a fantastic study in, its, in itself. So Paul uses accounting terms like profit and loss and sporting terms like from an athletic events describing to us what Christian life is all about. These were not some ordinary sport events that Paul was talking about. These were Olympic Games. And we are in this season. Paralympics is on. The Olympic Games began in 776 BC. That's almost 250 years before Apostle Paul. And before Christ as well. So Olympic Games had a long start. Paul went to Corinth during his second missionary journey in Acts chapter 18. It was during this time, Paul deliberately decides to go to Corinth. It was a big city. It was a mega city. It was almost compared to Las Vegas of today. There was the games held, the Olympic Games held. A lot of people would be coming to Corinth. And Paul strategically saw this as a way to expand the gospel. So in these games, in AD 51, there were foot races, wrestling, boxing, throwing the discus and javelin, long jump, chariot racing, poetry, reading, and singing, all part of the Olympics. According to several inscriptions that were contemporary to Paul, women participated in these games well, as well. The instructions mentioned where women were winning had, had won 200 meters race. So it was, it was fantastic during those times. And since there was no permanent accommodation at this site, people stayed in tents in the surrounding fields. So Paul got into this business of making tents along with the other Christians. And he thought this was a wonderful, a wonderful way to get used, to get into the community in sharing the gospel. So he started making tents. Big demand for tents. So Paul started making tents. And along with the other Christians like Aquila and Priscilla, Silvanus and Timothy, Paul got on together as a team and began to share the gospel. There was plenty of employment, and these games provided a golden opportunity to reach many with the gospel. And Paul took it. He, wanted, he went there to preach the gospel. So here we read in these letters of Paul, he must have loved sports. And when he was on a missionary journey, he must have stopped at one of these stadiums to watch sports. Maybe one day he was watching a boxing match. And he thinks about this and says in one of his letters in Corinth, I'm not a shadow boxer. But I train hard. And then one day, maybe he was watching a wrestling match, and he writes in Ephesians saying, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. So he brings in all the sporting analogies and, and, and talks about it. So this morning, he must have gone to a stadium where he witnessed a race. And he makes a comparison to a Christian life that we are also in a race running. He says Christian life is like running a race. We run the race to win the prize. 
He relates our Christian journey to life. He compares our, uh, our running the race like becoming like Christ. And what an amazing analogy that Paul uses. No one can think of overnight and say, well, I'm going to make it to the Olympic and I'm going to run 100 meters. Man, there's a lot of training. There's a lot of training to reach that. This passage can be divided into two sections. One, One is our standing with Christ, verses 7 to 10, and then running the race. So I, I wanted to just look at running the race, but Paul, he brings these two together of our life, a way we stand, our walk with Christ to running, running the race. So I, I just try to isolate just the second one, running the race, but I thought I'm doing injustice to this passage. So we're looking at both this place of our standing with Christ and our running the race. In the standing with Christ, Paul says he had a great upbringing. And he talks about it. He had a memorable past. He saw kind of a man he had. He had one of the best training in one of the best universities during his time. Under one of the best known lecturer, Gamaliel. He was high up there. But he counted everything, all this, as loss. All his training, all his learning, of all that he had done, he considered loss. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, dedicated as a, as a, uh, as a Jew, as a Hebrew, to follow Christ. And in fact, in one of those verses, he said, I'm a Hebrew of a Hebrew. You can't count me on that. You can't discount me on that. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrew. And all this Paul says... I count it as garbage, as loss. And the word there is quite strong. There was a human sewage running, running uh, in, uh, uh, outside the city. And there's also a term used for food that is thrown from the table to the dogs. And Paul strikes somewhere in between and says, all this I've achieved in the past is like garbage. Why did he say that? Why did he say that? Here's what he said as loss. A lone terrorist on, on the road to Damascus, to Syria. This terrorist was breathing out murderous threats. This man was proud, self-righteous, zealous Pharisee. He was threatening to imprison Christians, those who call themselves as followers of Christ. He was going door to door Marking out people. If that any association with Christianity, with following Christ, he would throw them into prison. He had got a degree from, the, the, from, from Jerusalem, and he was heading to us, this uh, to Damascus on this road. On the way, as he was heading those roads, he fell on the ground. There was a flash of light. And he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Look at what he says. 
interesting question. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now Saul, all his life, he had studied the Torah. He knew who this God was. As a Pharisee of the Pharisee, he could repeat it backwards and forwards. He could interpret the laws. He knew who this Messiah was. Yet, at this point, when he fell on the road, when the question asked, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He says, who are you, Lord? Who are you? All his learning was up there. And hadn't, sing, hadn't sunk down to his heart. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. And then we know the story. He went blind. One of the most shameful, degrading things for a Pharisee to go blind. Because a Pharisee would never, any Pharisee who was blind in his early learning days would be discounted. Now he goes blind. Three days, he's languishing in someone's house. And then we know the story of how, what happens to him. So Paul said, this was what made him to realize that all his past was garbage. He met Christ. And this is where Paul counted his gain as, of, of his gain as loss. He's writing this epistle of Philippians some 25 years after this encounter that he had. And what is he saying? He said, I had a glorious experience with Jesus Christ as a result. I've seen, I've understood who Jesus is. I have known who Jesus is in my heart. And now he says, I want to lay down my life for him. I want to give up everything for him. I want to know him. I want to know his power. I want to know his, the power of his resurrection. And I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. That's fascinating. Paul, who was Saul, who became Paul, when, when God touched him, when the Holy Spirit opened his eyes to see who God was, he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Sometimes we leave out the rest of it. We just want to know the power. But Paul wanted to know the suffering and the fellowship of his suffering. So he said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Not some kind of a mysterious enlightenment. But knowing Christ was a growing relationship with him. It's a growing relationship. That's what Paul is doing. I want to know him. That word know is in present continuous tense, meaning every day in my life, I want to know Christ. It doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter where I am in my Christian walk. I want to know Christ. This is 25 years after Paul had that encounter. He says, I want to know Christ. The relationship begins when we first put our trust in Christ and it grows over a lifetime. Sometimes our friendship, our relationship with Christ seems stable. Sometimes it's shaky. Sometimes we are not sure. Sometimes it, it means a life is a struggle. It is difficult. But it's not all worthless. We come to know Christ better in our struggles and our sufferings. We share the fellowship of his, of his suffering. It is this journey of joys and struggle. Apostle Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know Christ fully. All that he went through, 
the triumphs, the, the, the difficulties, the suffering, and going to the cross. I want to know this Christ. And while he says that he wants to know Christ, he also says, I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet. I'm still plodding on. I'm still work in progress. And this is where we stand in a relationship with Christ. Friend, isn't that a blessed assurance for us? To know that God is still working on our lives. He's still working in our lives. And let that be our desire this morning. I want to know him. I want to know Christ. Everything about him, I want to know him. And Paul now comes to the, of this race, of this relationship with Christ. This relationship of knowing Christ is not a hundred meters dash. It's a long race that Paul compares to knowing Christ. It's a lifelong process to become like him. And Paul relates our process, our journey of, of our life is of a long race. It's not a walk in the park. No ordinary race, but a cross-country marathon with all the difficulties and the challenges. Running the race. A long-distance runner is... It's a challenge for him to, for me that there's a lot of obstacles, there's difficulties, and he focuses himself with effort and perseverance in overcoming these obstacles in running this race. So Paul tells us, run the race. Three things from this passage we pick up, friends, when he talks about running the race. We are not there yet. Forget the past. Press on. And that's the word for us today. In our running this race, it's not 100 meters, it's a marathon. It's a long race. And Paul says here, we are not there yet. Forget the past. Press on. Not that I've already obtained yet all this, or have already arrived at my goal. After all that Paul had achieved, he says he has been to seventh heaven. He had visions. He had all that. And all the things that he did. The churches he planted. Yet, he says, I have not arrived there yet. I'm not spiritually perfect. In fact, he repeats the statement twice. After his conversion, that he is not there yet. I'm not, he says, I'm not morally perfect. I have not reached Christ's likeness. I have not reached God's perfect standard. I am not what I ought to be. I am still in process. Paul was a great apostle, a brilliant theologian, a master missionary, a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and yet he says, I am not there yet. I think of kids in the car. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Paul says here, yeah, we are not there yet. What an assurance for us, friends. The day will come when we will be made perfect. If Paul could say, I'm not perfect, I have not arrived there yet, we can take great assurance in that. And 1 John, chapter 3, verse 2, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. When he appears, that twinkling of an eye will be changed 
will be like him. When Jesus comes again, friends, he's not going to come back as a baby in a manger. But he is going to come back with the hosts from heaven. Every eye will see, every tongue will confess on that day that Jesus Christ is Lord. With all the trumpets blast, he's going to come back again. And we will be like him. If things are not as, it, if things are not as they're supposed to be right now, don't give up. We're not there yet. We must keep growing. As a Christian, we must keep running the race and not give up. But there's a hurdle that haunts us in our running this race. That keeps coming back and again and again. Sometimes it drags us down. Sometimes it pulls us down. And that's what Paul says. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. What is he saying here? Apostle Paul is not telling us to format our memories. Highlight it, click delete, and it's gone. He's not telling us that. What is he saying here when he says, forget your past? How many of you in your lives suddenly you think of something in the past and you're not happy about it? It pulls you down. It makes you angry. We all have it, isn't it? Something in the past that bothers us. Paul calls it a hurdle. The word forgetting in this passage does not mean no longer caring for. He doesn't say, well, there are things that happened in the past, just forget it. He doesn't say that. What is he saying here? He's telling us, don't focus on those things. Don't let them become your goalposts. Don't focus on those things. We can't live in the past and keep looking back and mopping up our mistakes. Stop focusing on the past. We may have many regrets. And maybe we are saying to ourselves, well, I have mucked up. I have made mistakes. I have done a lot of things that I'm not proud of. Yes, these things haunt us. But Paul says, don't stay there. Don't go back there. Move. Run the race. Keep running the race. When a person's running the race in a marathon, he doesn't keep looking back always and keeps running the race. He's not going to win the race looking back always. He's got to be looking forward for the way the finish line is. With all the strings of failures, disappointments, painful, broken relationship, you might be saying, well, that's me. String of failures, disappointments, painful, broken relationship. Well, friends, you're in good company. Here's a man. Guess who he is? His music, his music teacher told him he had no voice at all and he couldn't sing. His school teachers described him as mentally slow, unsocial, sociable, and lost in his foolish dreams. And this person was Einstein. By age of 46, this person became completely deaf, and yet he wrote five of his greatest symphonies without hearing a note. Beethoven. After a lifetime of defeats, at the age of 65, Winston, Winston Churchill became one of Britain's greatest prime ministers. Thomas Edison 
reportedly tried over 2,000 different experiments before he got the first light bulb to work. When a reporter asked him how it felt to fail so many times, and this is what he replied, I never failed once. I invented the light bulb. It just happened to be 2,000 process. J.K. Rowling. Know him? Know her? Battle depression over early death of her mother. Her first marriage failed. And she was left trying to provide for herself and raise a young child alone, living on a welfare going school to school, trying to work on a novel in a little spare time. She went from being unemployed to creating one of the world's most popular characters in this fiction in a book, Harry Potter and Philosopher's Stone. It was rejected by 12 publishers before being published. The Harry Potter series has since been credited with giving children back into read, getting children back into reading and making her a phenomenal success. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of hard work for the single mother. Apostle Paul, himself a man of regrets, heartaches, and sorrows. And this is what he says. One thing I do, I forget what is behind. Apostle Paul continuously was making choices, and he was not going to allow his past or the, regret, or the regrets he had or the accomplishments that he had to haunt him. They were worthless to him. But one thing Paul does, forgetting what is behind, but straining ahead, God does not hold our past or sins to determine our relationship. I'll say it again, friends. God does not hold our past, our mistakes, to determine our relationship with him. Thank God. He doesn't, hold, he doesn't see the mistakes, but he sees us just as we are, as saved by him, washed by his precious blood, forgiven and made whole as his sons and daughters. Third thing, press on. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. I press on. Dads, press on. It's difficult out there. The world is harsh and cruel. And church, press on. Press on. It was like Paul had like a compass-like direction, staying on course. A man does not become an Olympic athlete just by listening to lectures, watching movies, reading books, or cheering the games. He becomes an Olympic athlete by getting into the game and then a hard work. If anyone wants to know about it, Meet Carlos after the service. He'll tell you how hard the training is. Training is a hard work. Press on. And this is what Paul says, as an Olympic athlete, press on. Go ahead. You fall, you stumble, you get up, and you press on. Paul kept his eye on the goal, and he kept going. Our goal for pressing towards the high calling is to know God. The upward call, up, upward call. That what motivates us. Friends, Paul encourages us. In Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, 
since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles us and let us run the race with perseverance, the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. So this morning, friends, throw off anything that's holding on or hindering and let us run the race. And this is what Paul says, and this is what I want to conclude with these words of Apostle Paul. Throw off. Let us run. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. And shall we do that? Come before him and keep our eyes fixed on him. We must stumble and fall, but let's get up and walk. That's what God does for us. Let's pray, friends. Lord Jesus, you have encouraged us as fathers, as church, to run this race. We know there's so many difficulties, stumbling blocks. We fall, we get bruised, and we get up. We are called to press on. Help us, Father, to press on. We all so often go through the motions of a, of a Christian religion, not as you really wanted us to follow you. We have failed so often to engage with you, and perhaps it might be said of us that we have lost our first love. Help us this morning, Father, to throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run the race with perseverance, marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Forgive us, heal us, strengthen us, encourage us today to draw close to you. Not yesterday, but today, now, this morning. Please, Father, help us, we pray, as we continue to fix our eyes on you in running this race, that we'll run this race Give you the glory and honor. Be with us, we pray. Amen.